Well, happy Mother's Day. <coughs> I wonder if I was to uh, ask you, if I was to go around, which I won't do, okay, but I would go around and ask you, um, where does that come from? Where does that start? What's the origins of Mother's Day? I suspect that I get probably a lot of different answers. And I think I can say that because when I was trying to look it up <laughs> uh, this week, there are lots and lots of different answers. Now, the one that has, I suppose, the most credibility for me, I think, is uh, there was a tradition back in the old days, whatever you term the old days. My, my, my grandchildren think the old days is when I was growing up, you know, that's, that's the old days. Um, but in the old days, when we're talking about lots of people, uh, wealthy landowners in the country, um, I'm really thinking of England now, um, lots of wealthy landowners, lots of uh, big houses, and lots of people in service, you know, the, the maids and the butlers and, and all of this sort of stuff. And one of the ones that I think has, has got a, a lot of credibility is basically on the fourth day of Lent, which is today, the fourth day of Lent, they were given time off. But the time off was really, I think more than anything, was actually to go back to their mother church. Because what tended to happen is if you had a big church or a cathedral or something like that, in the outlying districts there would be other churches, we say planted these days, don't we, you know, different churches there. And on this day, on this fourth Sunday of Lent, what very often happened is that people came back to the mother church. But of course what that often meant was that they were coming back to their own family, they would be coming back to their family and they would be coming back to their mother as well. And uh, I think it was also a bit of a, a tradition as no tube, no, no, uh, no mercy rail or anything like that in those days. So people were walking back to their mother church, to their, to their families, to spend the day with them. Um, and they would probably be picking flowers as they went along. And so hence mum got a nice bunch of flowers as well. That seems to fit with me. I, I don't know what you believe. If you, if you believe something different, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with it at all. But that, these, these days off, I think, for the people in those days, of course, were really quite rare, and I think it became really something special. Of course, often on this day, it's always on a Sunday, isn't it? So often uh, we find ourselves in church and people, the speakers, who have uh, got a speech on a subject of uh, Mother's Day. So you'll probably find that very often that will be on the subject of maybe uh, various women uh, that we find in Scripture, various women in the Bible, and, of course, very often on uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well. Um, so I just thought, just for a few minutes, um, you know that I'm not a long speaker because I, I, I'm not that clever, but just for a few minutes we might think about uh, just a couple of things around, surrounding Mary, the mother of, of Jesus. Now, straight away, um, when you're looking at, at, at this topic, it, it's certainly an interesting uh, topic, but, I, and, but also it can be controversial as well, can't it? It can be um, controversial. Uh, I remember when I was at work, uh, the, 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 the sort of team, I was in various, various teams, but the one that resonates with me most, uh, I seemed to be surrounded by Roman Catholics, and we had an awful lot of discussion, and we had uh, we actually had a lot of fun poking fun at each other and so on, you know. But we did have some real good discussions about things, you know. And of course there were certain controversies as well, certain things that we didn't agree with and so on. But it was all, as I say, all in there, all, all done very, very well. 
and we were all still good friends uh, afterwards. Can I start off with uh, an illustration? Uh, an illustration. If I was to hold up here, I haven't got one, you'll notice. A picture of a beautiful face, okay? I haven't brought one because, of course, people's idea of that is, is often very different. Of course, all you ma married men out there, you know, what you'd be saying was, of course, I'd be holding up a picture of my wife, of that face. That's what you'd be saying. Isn't that right, guys? Come on, help me out here. <laughs> I'm helping you out here, so, so it would be a picture of your wife. But if I held up this picture of a beautiful face, there it is. How lovely is that face? Think of the nose on that. What a beautiful nose. Isn't that lovely? And it just goes right uh, in, that, in that face. If that nose was start to, started to grow a bit bigger and a bit bigger, and then start to grow even bigger and get out of all proportion with that face, then that face, it changes then, doesn't it? And it becomes really less beautiful. Likewise, the same nose start at the beginning again. If that nose started to reduce in size, started to diminish, and almost started to disappear as well, then again, that face, it, it, it's, not as, uh, it's not as beautiful as it was before, and it's spoiled, isn't it, in a sense. Now, that I think, this was a, a, an illustration I heard a long time ago, that is so true of a lot of the things, the truths, the doctrines, or the truths, if you like, the, basic, um, the basics of our faith and our salvation that we find in Scripture often are treated a little bit like that, in that there are some people, there are maybe some churches, maybe even some denominations that might take a particular truth and might actually blow it up out of all proportion and then that maybe, well, you might say it spoils things. Or there are some doctrines, some truths there in Scripture which are diminished so much and they almost disappear and again, doesn't that affect the look on that face? Doesn't that affect our understanding of Scripture? and our understanding of our God and our Saviour. That's an interesting um, illustration, but that's what often happens, isn't it, uh, these days, as far as Scripture is concerned, as far as, far as what we, we consider the truth is concerned. So just for a minute or two, uh, let's have a look a little bit at some of the clear truth uh, that we were taught in Scripture about Mary and about the virgin birth. Let's consider that because certainly that sort of thing, the virgin birth for example, uh, is often a truth that is forgotten, it's often denied and it's often distorted by people. In the same way with our illustration, the silly illustration about the nose. It's often forgotten, denied and distorted. Now <clears throat> I, I suspect that you probably agree with me, I don't know, but many so-called Christian churches these days um, would actually deny the whole, the whole virgin birth thing. You hear it very often, uh, often in some uh, you know, very leading um, church, lead, church leaders you know, in, in prominent positions in denominations or whatever, and deny, deny these things and they say, oh well, what's more important is, and they start denying it. So, so in effect, what they're doing then by denying the, the virgin birth is in effect, 
when we follow through the teachings in Scripture, is denying the deity of Christ, denying that, that God, Jesus was born to be Emmanuel, to be God with us, uh, if they're denying this, this, uh, the virgin birth. And therefore, really, they're saying that Jesus, nice fellow though he is, is not God. Um, very often, those same people will deny uh, an awful lot of the miraculous events that we find in Scripture, and say these things, well, they just didn't happen. Nice stories, but they really didn't happen. Um, there's often all sorts of different theories about um, some of the miracles, about maybe natural phenomena that might occur, that might explain some of these miracles away. I don't know if you've heard about the feeding of the 5,000. One of the ones that seems to be prominent with that is, well, no, that, that didn't really happen. What happened was that when uh, everyone was sitting down and um, this, this little lad was brought up and he, he had his lunch, his five loaves and his two fishes, then everyone saw, well, how, how, uh, how good that was, how kind that was, and that he was willing to share. And then all of the food that they actually secretly had and I hadn't showed, then they all started getting it out and then sharing with, with people. What a load of nonsense. <laughs> really is a load of nonsense because we know in that story don't we in uh, in the uh, uh, in the bible that the, what the, what happened at the end that the everybody had their fill so everybody was full and then the collect the, the disciples went around and collected 12 baskets of food that was over so uh, some people do talk an awful lot but there are these people around out there who just deny uh, the miracles of, 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 um, of Scripture. These people will often agree, oh yes, Jesus, a remarkable man, remarkable man, a profound teacher. Yes, we'll agree with that. He was a major figure in history, um, most, maybe even the most influential life that was ever lived in this church. Incidentally, when I wrote that down and I was thinking about that, What's all this BCE stuff as well? BCE? <laughs> we used to say BC, didn't we, and AD, but now we've got BCE, before the current era. The current era is based around the life of Jesus Christ, isn't it? You know, so anyhow, I, I, I do have a rant and a rave now and again about these things. Just more examples, isn't it, of uh, the truths in Scripture being forgotten, being denied, and being distorted. So what we should do uh, in all of these things, look to scripture, look to scripture. Luke chapter one, uh, do you remember when angel Gabriel goes and visits Mary? Um, and this is uh, verse 34, Mary says, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come unto you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One, <coughs> so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. How clear is that? And then in, in another Gospel, Matthew chapter one, um, and this is after um, Mary was found to be with child, and of course you can imagine, can't you, that Joseph will have been, you know, really troubled at this time. But then, of course, we read in verse 21, an archangel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And all this took place to fulfill the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that particular prophecy is from Isaiah. So, I mean, these things that I'm saying, please don't believe it, or don't think it's just George, you know, George's version of uh, George's idea of these things. What we need to do is to look to Scripture, and there we see two different Gospels, and even a prophecy from hundreds of years before, all agreeing about the virgin birth. Again, it's often forgotten, denied, distorted, but we have Scripture to look on, and that is what um, that is what we, we really need to look at uh, when we're perhaps challenged about these big things. Incidentally, the whole virgin birth thing, it always occurs to me that uh, you don't actually hear um, at the time of much um, dispute about that. But of course, Mary was, was alive all the way through Jesus' life and even beyond that, of course. And if anybody had any real issues, any real questions or disputes about that, there she was, they could have gone along and asked her, but you know, we don't really read of an awful lot about that, do we? Right, now then, um, when I lead in our church, uh, occasionally the, 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 the scrape in the battle and you can't find anybody else, so they'll ask me to read, but I usually get into trouble because they'll look like that looking at their watches and so on, because I usually like to slip in a few little quiz questions. Okay, now here's a quiz question for you, all right. Joe Biden, President of the United States, yeah? What number president is that, does anybody know? I never know, I have to look it up. What number president is he? Any guesses? No guesses up there? Shall I tell you? What did you say? 47, very, very close. He's actually the 46th, very, very close. I, I think there's a prize worth up there, yeah? <laughs> 46th President Joe Biden. Now then, this one will test you. Who was then the third President of the United States? Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln? No. Was he the first? Was he? My, uh, my, my American history, well, my history generally is, is real rubbish. Um, it wasn't George Washington? No. I had a piece of paper here before, but I've lost it now. I bet you Matthew's pinched it, and No. <laughs> it's probably me who's lost it, Matthew, don't worry. We've got one. Somebody knows here the Somebody knows. Oh, go on. Who was it? Lee. Thomas Jefferson. How did you know that? Did you just look? Have you been on your phone? Have you learned them all? Do you know them all? I'm dead impressed with that. <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. It was Thomas Jefferson the third. Um, now, all this business about uh, you know people uh, forgetting the truth or, or denying the truth or distorting it. Thomas Jefferson, I'm told, was was a president who did lots of good things and so on. But he was one of these who said, well, all of this controversial stuff that goes on in the Bible, we don't want any any of this. And uh, he, 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 he was of the view that these gospel writers were all um, 
we're all, we're all at odds with each other and all, all writing different things and so on and there's, there's far too much controversy so he decided that he was going to have a bible that we couldn't we couldn't um, argue with that was no controversy in and we'll have this bible it became known as the thomas jefferson bible um, and uh, basically uh, well we'll see because jackie where is jackie there you are jackie jackie has actually got a copy that our friend has lent us of the Thomas Jefferson Bible. What does it actually say on the front, Jackie? I forgot to look. The Jefferson Bible. Oh, it does say that, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, I think there's another title for it as well, a grander title, but basically it just became to be known as the Jefferson Bible. Jackie will just read to us, just have a listen, uh, at the, the very first couple of verses uh, of this Bible. This is where it starts, this Bible. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. So you'll notice that this Bible, it is the Bible, yeah? No Old Testament, okay? So none of that business about, uh, none of the, all that sacrifice stuff, and none of the creation stuff for all of the prophets none of that all out all of it all gone um, and also none of the genealogy just before the christmas story it starts right there at the birth of christmas now this is the end of this bible as well the, the last literally the last couple of verses of this bible this is where it ends now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulchre, wherein was never a man yet laid. There lay Jesus, and rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre, and departed. And that's where it finishes. How sad is that? How sad is that? No miracles, no supernatural themes, ends with a burial in a tomb. No resurrection. And that's, uh, and isn't this typical? <clears throat> We're just using that as, a, as an example. Isn't it typical of the sign of the times today in that if you're a Christian, then uh, you know there's so many things that, that are against us and uh, we're seen as being uh, bigoted because we only believe in the Bible and, and so on. Um, the truth forgotten, the truth denied, and the truth distorted. Now, it has to be said that if we are talking about Mary, that we, we really need to mention that, uh, perhaps some of the teachings of the Catholic Church. Now, some of my friends used to say, oh, you, you just got it in for the Catholics and so on. But of course, what we are for is the truth. It's not against anyone except anything that is not the truth. But one of the things in terms of the Catholic Church, one of the teachings of the Catholic Church, um, have you heard of a term called uh, obtaining grace for sinners? Um, basically, you might have heard that sometimes uh, in Catholic churches they will pray to saints and pray to Mary. Um, and basically that's because the understanding is that Mary presented a far more uh, accessible way to God than the Lord Jesus. That's why they're praying to Mary, for, for her to go to her son. So that's the more accessible way, if you like, to God for your particular prayers. Now how sad is that? I am privileged, I have to say, that I was brought up in a mission 
from very, very young, a mission where I was taught scripture from a very, very young age uh, and verses from the Bible. And one of them being that one that I think a lot of you will already know, John chapter 14 and verse 6, which says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So even from an early, early age, I would have been able to challenge that sort of teaching, that belief, because, well, the Bible doesn't say that. And bear in mind, their Bible says exactly the same thing as well. Now, another term that you might hear, and I've just picked up a couple of things, really. Another term you might hear is immaculate conception. Now, I think a lot of people um, who are not Roman Catholics might say, well, that's, that's, that's good. Um, in that at least they're standing up for the fact that Jesus was um, immaculately conceived, if you like, it was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and you might say, well, isn't that a good thing? Well, yes, that is a good thing. But the meaning of immaculate conception, just have a listen to this. In 1854, Pius IX said this, we declare that this doctrine the most blessed Virgin Mary in the first instance of her conception by a unique grace and privilege of the omnipotence of God and in consideration of the merits of Christ Jesus the Saviour was preserved free from all stain of original sin. Was conceived free from all stain of original sin. So what that is saying is that the Immaculate Conception is actually Mary as well and that Mary was free from sin, as well as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, again, that's, that's, that's clearly a teaching, but again, one of those where, you know, even the Catholic Church themselves might sort of reduce this and put less emphasis on it, but it's still there, it's still there. Now, what do we read in Scripture? That's where we always go back to. What do we read in Scripture? And uh, Eddie read it to us in our reading uh, just now, Luke chapter 1. And verse 46 says this, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servants. From now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to me, uh, to those who fear him, from generation to generation. So did you spot that, what Mary said? My Saviour. Now, if that, uh, that so-called uh, doctrine was true in terms of this immaculate conception, why would Mary be Saviour? But she says it uh, there, recorded in the, in the Gospel for us, that um, <clears throat> my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. So she recognises that it, it was her Saviour. And of course she talks about the humble state of uh, his servant. So we see this remarkable, very young woman, remarkable young woman, um, and showing great humility here, um, and of course great obedience as, as we see through the rest of the story. So, uh, you know, so important, isn't it, that we go, wrong, go back each time to what Scripture says. You know, I love this, this particular verse uh, concerning the Mary story as well. Luke chapter 2, 
uh, in verse 18. So this was after the sort of, the, if you like, the stable scene when the, the, the shepherds had been there and, um, and uh, said what they'd seen, uh, what the angel had told them. And then it says in verse 18, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But it says, that, uh, verse 19 says, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. I, I love that uh, verse. I think that's, uh, that's interesting that uh, she was there in the middle of all of this that was going on. It also has to be said that just later than that, time when the time for purification after the birth came, um, and if you know the story about going into the temple and Simeon there, remember? And Simeon uh, was given really this word from the Lord. Uh, Luke 2 verse 34 says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and the sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. So this is God revealing to Simeon, of course, the division that uh, the birth of Jesus was going to cost, and also pointing out the suffering that was to come, suffering for the Lord Jesus, and of course, for his mother Mary. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. So when we're challenged and when we're um, maybe even scoffed at and so on about some of the things we believe in, in the Bible, um, I hope we remember it's not a question of uh, who, who's the best at winning arguments. You know, I've got more knowledge than you or you've got more knowledge than me or, or whatever, or who's the cleverest around this particular area. What it is, what we trust in, is God's word. That's what we can. So we, we can't win, win arguments with people. All we can say is, well, I trust in what God's word says. You remember that verse in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? A lovely verse, which I think helps me out of uh, so many different things. Uh, it says, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. All scripture. So that's what we rely on. And when we do get into these, uh, these issues or people are, are taking issue with us, all we can say is that's what we rely on. If, that, if that's what we do rely on, God's word, uh, and you're not arguing with me, but this is what uh, God's word says. And I love that, as I've said a couple of times, I love that verse where it says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in their hearts. So I'm going to finish with a song now. Um, and I think it's, uh, if you know the song, it's probably a, a bit obvious what I'm going to say. There's a lovely song that says, Mary, the title is Mary, Did You Know? And I often uh, think as I'm singing this song, or when I'm thinking about Mary, I wonder just exactly what she did understand about all of the things. She was a very, very young girl, of course. We know that she knew her Bible because of the, 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 uh, she knew her Old Testament because of the things that she said uh, and she quoted. Um, 
I wonder just how much he actually grasped. This song says, Mary, did you know? Have a listen to the words of it. 